Righteous, ratchet, real. Real, real. Righteous, ratchet, real. Righteous, ratchet, real. Righteous, ratchet, real. Real, Righteous, ratchet, and real. Real, real. I feel exposed. Okay. Welcome to the Righteous, Ratchet, and Real podcast. This podcast is for people who love God, but sometimes side-eye the church. We're three friends balancing the secular and sacred, the righteous and ratchet, as we discuss current topics through a gospel lens. We might say some things we're not supposed to. But you are probably thinking it anyway. You know how we say in the church. Charge to our head and not our heart. We're going to keep it real. Hey, hey, everybody. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Righteous Ratchet and Real podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Takesha, and I want you to say hi to my other co-hosts. Hi, this is Greta. Hey, this is Renee. And we are so glad that you are here listening to us. We want to begin a new podcast series talking about how we protect our peace. And so protecting our peace, you know, there's so many things that rob us of our peace. Y'all, there are some things like, you know, family, work, church Mm -hmm. folk, all of it can rob you of your peace. But we want to begin to just define what it means to protect your peace. And so Dr. Ronay, for you, what does it mean to protect your peace? Well, first of all, Peace, when I think of peace, I've been thinking of shalom, right? The quality of um, life that transcends every aspect. So we're talking about wholeness and and goodness and completeness, right? So that's what I'm thinking about when I'm thinking about peace. And when I'm thinking about protecting it, I'm thinking about creating healthy boundaries, right? We all know as, as women that preach, women that pastor, that it's important to have healthy boundaries so that we can reserve part of our lives just for us. We pour out so much. We spend so much time with other people, working with their needs, serving them, that sometimes we forget to to take good care of our own selves and our own lives. So for me, protecting my peace means having healthy boundaries. All right, Greta, what does it mean for you to protect your peace? For me, you know, I think it's making sure those places where I need to kind of be by myself to tune in with myself, that's how I protect my peace. So a lot of that for me being in Atlanta and in this Atlanta traffic, I'm in my vehicle so much. So for me, I have to have that space be peaceful uh, Mm -hmm. so that I can just kind of tune out, unwind, decompress, all of that. Uh, so that when I get home, here we are pouring out again, you know, <laughs> so so those places where I can build myself up, uh, whether that's in my car, whether that's um, take, you know, stopping somewhere and getting a quick bite to eat just to be by myself in that time and in that space. You know, it's about for me, it's about doing things for me that help to keep me sane, help to keep me level headed. Um, that helps to just keep me 
help to keep fuel in my tank. Let me put it like that. So it's a recharging, it's a replenishing. Um, that's for me, that's protecting my peace so that when I am home and with my husband or with my son, I can be my full self, my fully present self for them. And so, um, yeah, you know, and it's a lot of saying no, you know, we feel like in the church, we can't say no. Oh, yes, you can. Um, and so learning how to say no, like Renee said, protecting and, and, and creating those boundaries and, and just, you know, knowing what you need for you so that you can be your fully present self. Mm-hmm. All right. So bless your heart, you know, Atlanta traffic, you know, the DMV, California, ain't none of us avoiding this traffic, right? And so that's the whole thing in and of itself, y'all. That's the lay prostrate. Let's pray about Ooh. traffic. And, you know, so that you don't cuss people out while you're driving. Right. You know, protecting your peace. So this episode, we are specifically talking about how it is you protect your peace from church folk and your church experiences, y'all. And so Gardner has found that four out of 10, that's 37% of people don't go to church anymore because of experiences that they had with church or church people. So that church hurt thing is real and it is defined as a deeply traumatic or spiritual grievance brought on when an event or a series of events takes place within one's house of worship and the effect is so dramatic that while the person still may have faith, they don't trust church because church has failed them. Hmm. And so that's right where we kind of want to jump on into that thing right there, talking Hmm. about the fact that church hurt is trauma uh, in and of itself because so often people dismiss you know people say I've been hurt in church I've had church hurt and they kind of just you know say oh they're being dramatic and just kind of wave it off but it is trauma to experience you know church hurt because there are different aspects of it there are people who have been raped you know in church there have been people who have been abused or taken advantage of to the point you know where they have, have given them all of themselves and they just feel depleted. And so church hurt is a real thing. And we want to just acknowledge that for anybody who's listening and you say, you know, I've been hurt in church. That's why I don't mess with church folks. You know, that's part of what our podcast is even doing is understanding that people may still want some spiritual grounding and have conversation around mm-hmm. church, but they don't want to set foot in the church building. And so look, y'all, we, we didn't set up church for you guys on the podcast so that we can begin to talk and get the peace of God still even in in this real format. And so there's some many things that cause church hurt, right? Sometimes it's intentional and sometimes it's not intentional at all. People just kind of did the best they could do and they still caused people to be hurt. And so Renee, I want you to just tell us about your hurt experience. Like what is your church hurt? Y'all, we all got stories, but we just going to give you a few of ours. You know? I've literally had this discussion today. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so common. I mean, so, and and I've had a few, so I'll just tell you about one in particular. So a lot of years ago, probably about 20 years ago, I belonged to a a big mega church on the East coast and I loved it. You know, I found community uh, within it. I found some really close friends. I found a mentor. I found some folks that I loved serving with. I was involved in, I was single at the time. So I was involved in every, listen, you know how they do single folk in the yes. church. You have to yes. belong to everything. That's what they you say. Know? You got time. Right. <laughs> right. So I was in ministry. I was doing the things and the stuff. And, you know, I, 
for a long time, I had begun to feel a bit stuck. Like I knew that there was something else for me. I couldn't put my finger on it. So every year the church would embark on a fast at the beginning of the year. And we would spend 21 days, you know, laying on our faces, you know, turning down our plates, all, turning off the TV, all those things, trying to hear from God about our, um, and give us vision for the year to come. So I did that as I did every year. And this particular year, I was just saying to God, you know, what is my next step? I feel like there's something that's coming. I just don't know what it is. Show me and I'll do it. So at the end of the fast, you know, probably towards the, the last day, the Lord spoke and it was as clear as day. And it was, it was time to go home. Now I'm a California girl. I, I'm from California. That's where I, I live. You know, that's the West side is the best side, but I never envisioned coming back home. I never envisioned moving back. I always thought my life was back East. And so for the Lord to speak this way, I was like, well, I know that's Jesus. Cause I sure enough wasn't thinking about going back. Right. And then not only that, there was also this impression that my husband, which I really did want to get married, that was a desire of my heart, that my husband was here in California. So I was like, oh, shoot, yes. say less, Jesus, say less. <laughs> so I, I got this, this revelation, this word from the Lord. I was sure it was God. And I, you know, I, I know you can't tell everybody your business when God speaks, but I talked to my, my close, you know, my close little clique, my folks, my peeps, right? And you know what they said? First thing they said was, child, you miss God. That ain't God. Mm -mm. That ain't it. You supposed to stay here. And I was like, wait, what? Mm. What I didn't realize is that sometimes people can be a bit short-sighted about uh, when, when it comes to you having a revelation from God. Like, especially if that person has been walking with the Lord a little bit longer than you and they feel mm -hmm. like, well, you don't really know. So, you know, God don't talk like that. Well, God don't talk like that to you. Mm -hmm. God talks to me how God talks to me. Right. And so it was a real kind of um, an affront because I was like, gosh, they don't trust the God in me. Mm. to be able to hear from God for myself. Like they don't trust that I went through this process of fasting and praying. You know, they don't trust that me being on the East Coast and involved in this church for so long, they didn't take into account how hard that would be for me to leave mm. and how hard it would be for me to go back home someplace where I told them they knew that I never envisioned going back, that I never wanted to go back and all of the fears and concerns that I had about going back. Like it was really hurtful. I don't think that they were intending to be hurtful, but they did. They were hurtful. That was really um, a moment where I was like, you know, God, am I really supposed to be in relationship with people who would not uh, think the most of me or would so readily and outhandedly discount my relationship with you? Like, what is that? So, I really for a long time had to, to figure out, okay, how can I trust people? If, you know, this is the first thing that people do, you know, um, in their relationship with me is to say, oh, well, you, you don't know enough about God to, to, to make those kind of decisions for yourself. So, you know, that was a, a moment of, of real hurt. And I had to really process that and take a step back and, you know, figure out, okay, God, is this really you, you know? So that's, that's my story. Yeah. I really hear that um, part, the fact that, you know, 
a lot of times people don't mean to be mean. Like they have their own issues, their own thoughts, their own ideas. And that can be sometimes just really why people end up hurting other people. It's not even something that they were like intending to do, but they have their own stuff on them and they project it onto you. And so Greta, you have a different experience of church hurt and yours has to do with your call to ministry. Go ahead and just tell the people, tell the good people about your experience. Absolutely. So, of course, you know, that phrase, just to kind of back up, hurt people, hurt people. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what I hear you saying, Takesha. But so I want to share a little bit. Like I said, I just literally had this conversation with a friend of mine. Um, So I want to give you two stories and I'll keep it brief. Y'all know I can be quick. So (laughs) she was saying that her question to me, she said, Greta, what is going on with all of these older Black women in church who seem to be so bitter. Ooh. And I said, oh, what do you mean? She said, I mean, and she described mm. a, a scenario. She said, every, and, but before she did that, she said, it seems like everybody I come in contact with in the church who's older, who's female, who's Black, they are so mean. Mm. And so she proceeded to share a story. She said she had visited a friend of our mutual friend of our church. Her husband is the pastor. And she, uh, our friend invited her to come to the church. And she went, she didn't know anybody. She's brand new. She goes to the church looking for our friend, but she sat down in the seat. And of course she sat in somebody's seat. Oh my goodness. And they laid into her. And my friend said she got up and moved. She said, but what if she had come into the church, had the weight of the world on her shoulders or what if she had come in and was dealing with something and was just broken. She said that would have totally destroyed her, but she ended up telling our friend, I will never join your church Mm. because Mm. y'all got so many. And of course that one person became so many uh, from her experience, but you know, she was just saying that it was mean. The lady was mean and nasty and made her get up out of her seat. Like we own pews and bench. Well, let me, some people do. But anyway, that's beyond <laughs> that's beside the story. But anyway, besides the point. But I mean, so you know, but she has a valid point. Sometimes mm-hmm. people do come in with the weight of the world in the shoulders, where mm-hmm. all hell has literally broken loose in their life, and they're just come trying to come to a place where they can cast their care. They didn't come to pick up more care because you sat in somebody's seat. Right. Well, just foolishness. Anyway. So that's that's that that's a general and and I think probably that story exists for all churches. Um even the church I pastor, I know I, my members are very particular about their seats. <laughs> and I don't know what that is. I guess we just get used to sitting in this particular seat. But anyway, um my church heard experience, my personal experience, not hearsay. Uh it does revolve around my call story. So um, I haven't always been AME. I was born and raised Baptist. I have great deep affection for the Baptist church. Um, and so, uh, however, at the time I was called, which was 1999, 2000, somewhere along in there, um, it wasn't a lot of women in, in ministry in the Baptist church, particularly not in Lexington, Kentucky. And so um, I had received the call to preach and shared it with a friend. Anyway, long story short, uh, my pastor called me into his office and (laughs) basically said, uh, the ice is breaking, uh, but we're not going to do that here. Mm 
And so um, mm. I was hurt because this is a person, of course, I'm, the, I'm of the belief that when you are part of a church, not only are you doing ministry together, you're doing life together. Right. Or have having had done life in this um, in this particular church, having, um, you know, participated in ministry, choir, uh, youth ministry, Sunday school, uh, frying the chicken. <laughs> so, you know, just doing ministry and this person, the pastor knew my heart, knew the heart of my family. It was just Brandon at the time, but he knew us um, and considered we considered ourselves to be friends, of course, with the pastor and his, and his, and his wife. And so for him to just look at me and discard <laughs> that call and, it, you know, he yeah. didn't deny that I had been called. He just said, we ain't doing that here. Cause you know, he was a per person of position within the Baptist church. You know how they have them associations. He was head of the association and all this and that. And, you know, it would have been a big scandal, but I appreciate what he did do. Uh, even though he, I ain't gonna say he put me out, but what he did do was at, he called another pastor who had been in that same association and who had licensed a woman to preach and was therefore kicked out of the association. Um, he called that pastor and said, I got somebody who's been called to preach. I'm sending her to you. And so um, ended up going to that church, do, did ministry, did life, but it was still hurtful. And it was years later before I could even appreciate what he did do in calling um, that other pastor because I was hurt. Um, mm -hmm. It was a real tangible hurt to it. I remember a friend of mine who was still, a, who is still a member of that church. She called me a couple of years ago and she was like, Greta, pray for pastor so-and-so he's really sick. And when I got down on my knees to pray, I could not pray. I could mm -hmm. not, I could not. I had a desire to pray and could not. And God told me it was cause I had unforgiveness and hurt in my heart. And until I worked through that, I could not pray for him. And mm. so I, I did my work, as Yana would say, I did my work my and I worked through that. And uh, I, I, I'm at a position now where not only do I pray for him, but we are in contact, we communicate. And, um, but yeah, church hurt, people don't believe that church hurt is real. But like you said in your definition, Keisha, there's real trauma around that. Even hearing my friend today, and hearing her say, I would never join that church. There's right. real trauma, real hurt behind those experiences that we can no longer just overlook or, or wink our eye at. Yeah, that, that is so important that we can't just, you know, sweep it under the rug and act like that thing isn't real, but we have to talk about it. We have to acknowledge it as the church. Like we cause people real issues. Like, in, you know, with your incident, it was intentional. Like it's theologically in, intentional. Right. Like that is their understanding that women can't preach, but yeah. you can teach, you can serve in the kitchen. Like, you know, so the patriarchy of the church is an intentional idea ideology mm -hmm. that is forcing and, and moving that, that needle and how they treat people right. and, you know, causing real harm. It's you're trying to be affirmed in the church and they're telling, you no, you're not good enough. And mm -hmm. so that really, you know, eats at our heart and eats at who we are. And so when we think about that church hurt and how it is, we then come and show up to the space. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I, I just wanted to jump in and say, not, not that I wasn't good enough, but because I didn't have a penis between my legs. Yeah. I, 
you know I wanted to say that. You know I wanted to say that, Greta. Because that's really it. That's it. That's it. Right. That's it. Right. That's all. Right. Oh. That that and, that, and, that is that is that is the okay, right? right. The that and <laughs> that and what Eve ate the apple. So Not she it. couldn't, you know, women don't make good decisions. Women weren't trusted with the man. Come on. Foolishness. Excuse me. Foolishness is what that is. Right. Yeah, Mary but was so, good enough to carry the word, right? right. Oh, no, Thank you. Exactly. <laughs> and, and, but those are the, 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 I don't even know what to call it. Those are the excuses that we get, right? Yeah. Eve was deceived, so she, she must right. can't be, dude, come on. Right. Yeah. Y'all, this feels like we got a whole episode that we need to do just on how patriarchy shows up in the church and tears Woo! us down, right? Woo! Like, yes. I, I felt the energy. I felt the we energy. Do right it. Let's make a note. <laughs> Let's make a note, y'all. We're going to come back with that. We're going to come back in a future episode with that because I'm sure we're not the only ones who have experienced church hurt simply right. because the patriarchy of the church tries to hold Black women especially back. You know, they'll Absolutely. take our coins, but they don't want to hear us. Hey, right? Ooh, that's a whole nother one. My oh. goodness. I need a tambourine. <laughs> Let's pass the offering plate. Pass the offering plate right now, right now, y'all. Well, we want to talk about, you know, protecting your peace and how it is that we deal with church folk and deal with church and protecting your peace. You know, you guys, this is the first time that you really have a chance to hear how we do this, but we always want to look at a theological lens. We always want to do that whole righteous piece, right? And work through that thing. And so Acts 15, 36 through 39 is where we want to talk about the scripture. We want to bring the Bible into this, you know, discussion. And so very specifically, I want to focus on Acts 15, 39. And it says the disagreement became so sharp that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. And so there is this argument that was so strong or sharp as the biblical text calls it between Paul and Barnabas. And what we need to understand is that disagreements happen in the church, y'all. We don't have to act like they don't. We don't have to play like we always get along in church. We won't agree with everybody in church. Church people like anyone else make mistakes and, you know, we got to jack folks up and deal with it. And so, that's where I want to talk about, you know, with my, my co-host right here, right, y'all? How do we deal with folks who are, like, trying to snatch our peace, trying to, you know, they get on your nerves? How do we deal with that? Mm. Renee, I'm going to let you go. <laughs> oh, wow. So, so part of the, the first thing is knowing where you stand with God on the issue right? Making sure your position is aligned with scripture and with what you believe God is saying in the moment. That's for me, that's the first thing. Um, before I even want to enter into or engage with folk around issues that, that are, uh, stressful. Um, that's really important because you always can come back to that. If in the event you have these hard conversations and you question yourself, you can always come back to that foundation. Okay, am I in the book? Is this really where God is calling me to be on this issue, right? 
And then understanding, just like you said, Takesha, that folks are human and church and, and this Christian life is not always ease on down the road. It's not always easy. It's not always clean. Right. Sometimes the messiness of life is really just something that we have to walk through in order to get to a place where we can be unified. You know, the, the scriptures tells us as much as possible, live peaceably with all, you know, humankind, right? Sometimes we have to wade through some stuff before we can get there. So right. also the second thing for me is maintaining a, a hopeful position, right? Hopeful, because if I start getting weighed down in everything that they said about this, that, and the, and the third, I might feel some kind of way like we might not be able to get to resolution or at least to a place where we can agree to disagree, right? Right. So in terms of protecting my peace, I go in, have to go into it, um, making sure that first of all, I that I'm in on, on solid theological footing and then understanding, okay, you got to be hopeful because stuff does get messy. You know, this is not the, the end, you know, this disagreement or this moment or this moment where someone is trying to, to disturb my peace, you know, um, this is not the final word or the final piece. If you get what I'm saying, right. you know, right. I have to stay hopeful and remain positive in the situation. Yeah. Greta. Yes. Girl, so, does dealing with church folk make a difference? Like us being church folk, dealing with church folk, is there a difference in how we handle disagreements, how we kind of, you know, approach these situations? So yes and no, right? I mean, I, I, the fact, and I love that you all named that, you know, we're human. We are human. Being a Christian, yes, we have Christ in us, but I still don't believe that makes us superhuman. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, you know, and, and Renee, I hear you about, yes, you, we are to li live peaceably with all, but sometimes that requires us to part ways. Jesus mm. said, if you go and they don't accept you, shake the dust from your feet and keep it moving. I lean to that side, y'all. So, you know, if, if we can't agree, well, hopefully we can agree to disagree, right? Right. But if we can't, we can still be grown and be like, you know, you know what, girl, or you know what, man, I, I, I don't agree with you on this, but I love you. You my brother. We just we just don't see eye to eye on this and still maintain a friendship, still maintain a membership together within that church. I don't know why. So I don't think Jesus for me when I hear kick the dust. Yes, I do believe that can mean going somewhere else. It, it, the, the, we see it in Acts. The agreement was so sharp that they parted ways and one of them sailed away. Two of them sailed away to a whole nother city, right? Okay. <laughs> However, can we still be grown enough in our disagreement to say, you know, and still kick it? Yeah. Mm. You know, because for, to me, I see too many who are like, they, they don't agree. And then there's anger, there's anger, there's bitterness, there's talking about each other's kids, there's putting folk down. Why we got to take it there? What what happened to the even just the attempt to live peaceably? We got to blow that all the way up. And so I don't know, that bothers me. Because we seem to be in this culture where if I don't agree with you, I can't have nothing else to do with you. And to me, that's childish. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
so what I'm hearing you say is like, you know, at the center of it all, like part of finding our peace with church folks is remember that we're family and that we exist in love, right? Like it's just that we're going to disagree. We don't have to all think the same way. We don't all have to, you know, uh, want to go the same way, but we have to remember that part of being in church together and doing church together is the fact that we have to love each other. Like, you know, like you go to the family cookout and there's some people who you don't rock, rock with, but you like, we family at the end of the day, but right. And still have each other back. Exactly. Right. Somebody coming from the outside, they can't touch you. But, you know, right now over the potato salad, you go ahead and take your scoop and I'm awake, you know. <laughs> well, you raisins in it. I don't do raisins in my potato hey. salad, but I can still love you. No, right. no raisins. What right. are we doing? No, no. <laughs> but that reminds me of the Baldwin quote, right? We can disagree and still love each other unless your disagreement is rooted in my oppression, right? And my That's denial right. of my Come humanity. Yeah. See, we it. can't go there. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There are, there, there are limits, right? There are That's limits good. to what we do. One of the other aspects to me also, when I think about scripture is the fact that, you know, it tells you if you have aught with a person, go to them. Yeah. And so I think that we need to remember that, you know, when we have issues with people, we need to go to them. We need Whoa. to talk about this the, with them and, you know, have the conversation. It's not always easy, but we have to have right. a conversation. And so yeah. sometimes the, reason why we're not having peace is because we keeping a whole rack of stuff inside bothered by people because we don't want to have conversations with people and so i think that as we even think about what it is we want you guys to think about and leave here with on how you protect your peace be willing to have uncomfortable conversations with people Mm -hmm. so that you guys can work through it decide to go your separate ways or how you can test it together as greta said but you know just we have to be willing to have those conversations and so for me i think about my church one of my church church experiences because y'all there is not just one but there are several but one of the ones that i think about is i was in ministry um the lead of one ministry and the other person was the media lead of the other ministry and we had to work together and so for whatever reason um i would say jealousy you know she felt the way because my name was being called somehow more than her as as she felt it. And so she just started to just, you know, talk about me with other people who I knew very well. And they would come back to me with the stories. And I'm like, you know, to the point where some people started to believe her over me. And so, you know, I was like, how dare you actually believe this random when you've been knowing me my whole life over and so i had a real real thing because i'm like you spoke you like bam bam and here it is Mm -hmm. you're believing her Mm -hmm. and so you know that really hurt me on different levels because one i wasn't doing anything to her right like girl deal with your issues don't project them onto me because you feel like i'm a star and you're not okay y'all that was a little that might have been a little petty but (laughs) (laughs) all right that's a little right that's good I'm still right. stuck on the random. <laughs> yes, that, oh my God, that takes me out. Okay. But, you know, y'all, it was real for me. And so, you know, in the middle of the situation, y'all, the ratchet, the real, real ratchet, my best friend goes, 
you know what, you're a minister and you're always trying to be holy and wonderful. And she was like, you're just way too nice. I'm not a minister. Let me handle the situation. I'm a cuss her out, right? And I'm gonna tell her exactly what she can do with herself. And then the situation will be handled and she'll really know, you know, what it's about because she's taking advantage of you because you're too nice. And so this then becomes a question for my co-host. Can cussing people out make a difference, even when it comes to dealing with church folks? Jesus had him a Peter. <laughs> Come on. Every pastor needs a Peter. Every pastor needs a Peter, period. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, 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 so we do say that sometimes we just got to kind of let people know that you're not a punk when you're dealing with with even the church folks to help protect your peace, right? Being <laughs> a Christian does that mean you are a doormat? Come on, because we just name we human. So right. yeah, you know, I'm in construction. Ain't that one of those sayings we like to say? I'm a Christian, but I'm under construction. Yes. So it's still some stuff that right. might come up and out. So you know, just uh, you uh, know, people, people often mistake our kindness for weakness. There right? you go. Our meekness for weakness. Yes, we're Thank called you. to be meek, but um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there are times when people will just push the boundary and push it and push it to see how far they can get mm -hmm. before you finally say, hey, 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 this is what it is. Absolutely. Um, and some people won't understand your no, even when that no is, you know, the polite, you know, you might not say no outright, but you let them know, no, this is not the way it's going. Mm -hmm. But yet they want to just push it more and push it to see how far they right. can go. So unfortunately, some people don't understand um, what it is to be spoken to that way. And it's also a part of some people's woundedness and a part of their story, right? Some people have been raised in households where getting cussed out was, you know, the only kind of, and I hate to call it this, but affection or attention that people received. And so if you're not talking to them in those tones with that language, then they're not understanding you know, that you are actually respecting them and in, in, in holding them in a loving fashion, right? So unfortunately, and, and it's just a, a sad, y'all, that, that is really sad, but it is part of some people's story. And so they, they bring that part of their brokenness into some of these conversations and don't really understand where you're coming from unless you, you know, you, you engage in those ways and mm -hmm. right. that's awful, you know? So that, that so then my second takeaway for us is that sometimes you have to realize that not only do you have to confront and have uncomfortable conversations, but then you have to be willing to not be super churchy and super deep and super, you know, like kumbaya. But sometimes you just gonna have to lay it down real. Like you may not have to cuss them out with cuss words, but you mm -hmm, may right. have to just be willing to say, look here, I'm not dealing with your foolishness anymore. Like, just call it for what it is, you know, yeah. call it out on the carpet and just, you know what I mean, go for it. Because sometimes I feel like people take our kindness, like you said, as weakness mm -hmm. and kind of, you know, use that to their advantage to get what they want out of the situation. And it ends up putting a whole lot of burden on us because we're trying to keep showing up with the, you know, with the, I love you and I want to wrap you and embrace you. And sometimes I'm like, you know, Greta, I am definitely a fan of Peter. Like, I'm like, <laughs> hold on real quick about the grab the sword because that's what I'm going to need to give to you. You know, <laughs> like it's 
just going to take that sometimes. And it doesn't even mean like you got to, you know, scrap in the parking lot, right. but you have to be willing to not just, you know, keep taking it, keep taking it, keep taking it, but to really just be like, you got one more time. Ronnie named at the beginning of having boundaries, having right. and establishing boundaries. And sometimes you have to go a little harder to protect your boundaries so that you can protect your peace. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you got to slap, cuss somebody out and, and lay them out and, and right. cut them to the white meat. But, you know, just name it. White meat. Yeah, I took it to the white meat, y'all. But just <laughs> name me, you know, like you said, Takesha, being firm in your no. And, yeah. and you can still do that in a nice way where you're not laying them out because right. you've become mean and, right. and, and now you're doing harm. But right. there's a way, there's a right way to do everything. There's a wrong way to do everything. So, mm -hmm. you know, we just have to pray for that wisdom that God says he gives, that God mm -hmm. gives. And, and I believe when we do that, when we take a minute and be like, okay, you know, we don't have to always respond in that moment and in the heat of any moment. Ooh. But you can step back and, and, and say, you know, give me, a, give me a day, give me a minute or whatever, and I'm going to circle back around and, and then I'll talk to you about it. And then that you right come there. back, you are calm. Yeah. And, and can it's handle that the right way. Mm -hmm. That right mm -hmm. there. Because when we talk about how it is we protect our peace and dealing with church folks, I think, you know, there is a difference ultimately about, you know, church folks dealing with church folks. And so sometimes, and I think that this is in any area of our lives, we don't have to respond right there and then right. because the response right there and then may not be the kind response. Right. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes we do have to just step back. Mm -hmm. And as you talked about, even dealing with the pastor who wouldn't affirm your call, just you got to pray and do that inner work, you know, um, right. uh, and to in order to respond, because the hurt that it causes you can cause you to respond right mm -hmm. there and then from a negative place. And then it just plus it puts like a lot on you. That trauma puts a lot on you. So you right. need to do the work for yourself in yes. order to get the peace. It's like you yes. stepping away, you praying, you reading your Bible, you doing the devotional to get you right in mm -hmm. order to deal with them in the first place. And we also talked about that. No, you guys. And that no is extremely important. You know, I know people say mm -hmm. no is a full stop sentence in and of itself no explanations needed and so when we talk about the ratchet and how we bring it to people sometimes it just has to be like you say to the sister who is asking you to do whatever you just have to tell them no 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 is a complete sentence and a holy word amen Amen. Amen. Holy word. Because Amen. sometimes when you tell people no, like you just feel the peace automatically, right? Because you were like trying to make whatever they wanted you to do work with your life. And it was like giving you anxiousness. And then when you say no, like the calm of God, you're like, oh, yeah, that was the right answer. That was it right there. No guilt. The <laughs> just peace of God that passes guilt. all understanding. Hey, guards our heart and our mind. Come on, somebody. <laughs> <laughs> we got churchy real quick, real churchy, real churchy. <laughs> and then setting our boundaries, right? Mm -hmm. Being able to set our boundaries. Don't feel guilty, you know, because you're not immediately right. accessible to everyone. Like right. church folks want you to be accessible at all times. And, you know, sometimes Ooh. you just be like, can't, just can't. Can't, can't right. do it. They do. 
they do. And you don't even have to be the minister to do that. Like, you know, they want you to take off your good government job in order to show up for what they need you to be there for, mm -hmm. you know, for you not to take your kids to the basketball game so that you can, you know, serve and, you know, whatever event it is. So, you know, we have to be able to set our boundaries and yeah. know that it's okay even to change our boundaries. So in one season of your life, you might be able to say uh -huh. yes. In another season of your life, you say no. You That's know, good. I can only give you an hour of my time. I can't That's give you good. five hours. Like you get to reassess and change and decide what your boundaries are from time to time. And so we want to um, even talk about the fact that one of those things that you want to do is like my sis Rane said is that you have to be willing to even switch churches like for her it was a God call but I think that for many of us you know statistically they say that people really don't leave church like once mm -hmm. you're there you're dealing yeah. with all the stress all the trauma all the strife from year to year to year to year guess what that is not necessarily God like mm -hmm. sometimes we force ourselves to stay in community just because we've always been there and that's all we know and we're afraid to do life someplace else but let Ronay's testimony be the light that frees you up right now. If you're in a space where you are no longer being affirmed, let Greta's, you know, going to a new church that actually affirmed her call be again a light to you that says part of how you find your peace can be to walk out to move on, to wish them the best, you know, say thank you for what you brought me in this part of my life, but I'm moving into a new season and God is getting ready to do some new things. And so, you know, we just gonna have to part. Like Paul and Barnabas said, we're going to do ministry on different sides, you know, of mm -hmm. the world, but it's okay. We're still doing ministry. And that right there is a way that you can protect your peace is being willing to say goodbye and to let go because that ministry, that uh, church is no longer serving you and you right. need to go to a new place and space in God. And right. so we want to leave you with some book recommendations. Ronay, just go ahead and drop of some recommendations for people who may have experienced church hurt who are trying to find peace in the midst of serving. And um, we want to leave you guys empowered. So Sacred Wounds by Teresa Pasquale um, is a, a good resource. It's a path to healing from spiritual trauma. So it's got a lot of good gems about how church hurt or how religious hurt impacts people and what you can do to work through and process that trauma and move on. Because, you know, it's a shame when people are hurt in church or religious spaces and they feel like, God, how did you let this happen to me? Right. All I was trying to do was worship. All I was trying to do is serve. And a lot of people get disillusioned. So it's a good book to help you work through all of the pain and the trauma from those kinds of situations. So you don't uh, take that to potentially your next church mm -hmm. and experience. Right. Yeah. So it's right. a good read. And then there's another book called Healing Your Church Hurt, What to Do When You Still Love God, But You Have Been Wounded by His People. Y'all, I feel like every pastor should have that on mm -hmm. their reading list, yes. right? And so even, you know, pastors and ministers, even we get hurt in church dealing yeah. with people, you know. And so... Um, we all need to process where yeah. we are with church and church hurt. And so we hope that this episode at least be 
begins your conversation with mm-hmm. yourself and with the divine about how it is you get to find peace and and finding that shalom, that wholeness that you need to get past the hurt that you've experienced in church. And, you know, even then saying to yourself, I'm willing to take the next step. I need to talk to somebody, I need to talk to a therapist about what I've experienced to help me unravel and heal from this. And so we're glad that you could join us for another episode. We are so excited for you to come on back to episode two, you guys, where we will be talking about how you find your peace at work because we know who the the pursuit of these coins right (laughs) your peace and so we want to have that conversation on our next episode please go ahead and subscribe follow wherever you get your podcast from so you can get the notification that we are live with a new episode remember we drop new episodes weekly and we can't wait to continue to have this conversation with you guys all right y'all Bye. Peace.